0: This is Your Morning Basket, where we help you bring truth, goodness, and beauty to your homeschool day. Hi and welcome to the Your Morning Basket podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and I am so glad that you are joining me here today. Well, on today's episode of the podcast, we are going to be joined by Jill Hummer. Jill is the owner and author at Silverdale Press, but she's also a college professor and a homeschooling mom. And we were so happy to find her because we're going to be talking all about current events civics and studying the election all of those things are very important this fall and we wanted to talk about how homeschoolers could be doing that in their homes and in their morning times jill was the absolute perfect person uh, for this conversation so i'm not going to give anything away we'll get on with it right after this word from our sponsor This episode of the Your Morning Basket podcast is brought to you by Your Morning Basket Plus. Get the tools you need to put the joy back into your homeschool. If you have been wanting to do morning time in your homeschool, but you're a little overwhelmed at the idea of which resources to use or which books should you choose, we have done all the hard work for you. Your Morning Basket Plus is how you can get more out of your morning time with less work for mom. In the Plus subscription, we have over 42 sets of morning time plans that you can download and are open and go. We also have live events every month with some of your favorite morning time teachers, event replays, and so much more to add to your morning time. Now, we have just released our brand new monthly subscription option. Up until now, you could only get an annual subscription. That's still available, and it's still your best deal. But if you would like a monthly option to get in and try the subscription out and see what we have available you can find more information about that on the website so come on over to pambarnhill.com, click the green get the tools button and check out the your morning basket plus subscription today and now on with the podcast Dr. Jill Hummer is a homeschool mom of four kids, ages 11, 8, 7, and 4. She spends most of her time juggling life as a homeschool mom with her job as a professor of history and political science at Wilson College. She is the author of the book First Ladies and American Women in Politics and at Home. Jill has spoken at Presidential Libraries and has been featured on C-SPAN and the History Channel, but what she loves most is sitting on the couch reading books to her kids. Along with her husband, Jill is the founder of Silverdale Press, which provides high-quality homeschool curriculum and unit studies to enrich your whole family. Jill, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Pam. It's great to be with you. Oh, I love having you on here. You know, we have been looking for, this is like our 70-something episode, and we've been looking the whole time for somebody to come on and have a great conversation with us about current events. And so... We were just so thrilled,
1: <laughs> oh, thanks, Pam. Yes, I'm excited to talk to your audience about current events. I love talking about current events,
0: oh, I think this is going to be so much fun. Well, start off by telling us a little bit about you and your family and how you got started homeschooling.
1: Oh, yes, that's a good question. So I came to homeschooling reluctantly. I think you said in my bio about um my kids and their ages. So my oldest is going into sixth grade and my youngest is a preschooler. And we've been homeschooling for the last five years. So ever since my daughter was in first grade and I came to homeschooling probably very reluctantly I remember when I was in graduate school, I was kind of working on my dissertation. I was engaged at the time to my husband, and we were driving somewhere, and we were talking, and I remember him mentioning that homeschooling was something <laughs> that we should eventually consider for our kids, which of course we didn't have at that point, point. and um, I remember thinking, what? (laughs) Homeschool? That is, that sounded like the craziest idea. But my husband was homeschooled back in the nineties when it was a little less common than it is today. And he really loved it. And, um, I went to public school and I was kind of at the time, very, very career focused. And I was thinking, Mm -hmm. we're going to have two kids and they're going to school. And, we have four kids and we homeschool. So <laughs> it, it was a hard, it was, it wasn't an easy decision. We prayed about it for years before we made the, the decision to homeschool. So it was not, not something that we, that was very obvious to us or to me from the beginning, but definitely felt strongly led in that direction. And we love it now. I, I can't imagine doing anything else.
0: It's so funny how somebody else out there has different plans. Than what yes,
1: <laughs> right, exactly, exactly.
0: Oh, goodness. Well, let's talk a little bit about this idea. Of, well, let's start with civics. Mm-hmm. Um, when we think about the idea of civics as a subject in school or, or not even as a subject in school, just as a part of our daily life as citizens of a country, you know, what exactly is it and why is it important for us to study it?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And so we get the term civics of course this goes back to sort of our our classical training from the from the Latin word civicus which means just relating to a citizen. And this is kind of the um you know the idea back and we'll we'll talk about ancient greece going back to ancient greece was that you know you would educate young men at the time to become leaders so that they could deal with civic matters right they needed to be have an education that gave them this the kind of thinking skills necessary to engage in that focused thought and reflection that could lead to the betterment of their own cities and societies. And so so really, civics is, I think of it as training for citizenship ultimately. And I believe that it is our job as homeschool parents to undertake this training of our kids for
0: citizenship. Okay. So when we're talking about Uh, civics and having discussions with our kids about civics and having them study civics, we are training them for citizenship.
1: Absolutely. So, um, and what we're after is to kind of turn our kids into, um, direct them toward this enlightened sort of engagement with their communities, with policy, um, with the global community, and just equip them with the knowledge and skills to function as citizens, exactly. So it doesn't have to be, you don't, it's not kind of so narrow as you need to know the three branches of government or, you know, what the Supreme Court said in Brown versus board of Education when we're when we're talking about teaching civics it is definitely more of a training for citizenship
0: okay so that kind of leads into what I wanted to ask you next is you know when I think about civics and I think about doing things like memorizing the three branches of government it's it's sometimes can feel like a little bit of a snooze fest. (laughs) Sure, (laughs) sure. (laughs) Oh, and I'm not denying that that's important information to know. And I'm just going to come right out and say it. I know that information. (laughs) Right, right. You know, if if for nothing else than to not embarrass my former teachers on late night television when somebody stops me and asks me these questions.
1: Oh, sure.
0: But how, how do you... How do you make it more about what you said enlightened engagement and less about just memorizing how our government is set up?
1: you know that's a good question and it's and it's one that for me um i I sort of became interested in civics, not through anything I learned in school. Um, civics was a kind of a lifestyle for I don't want to say all members of my family, but politics and, you know, public affairs were always talked about at around the dinner table, at family gatherings. And I find that that is not the case, at least among the college students that I teach. um, I find that that is probably um, a pretty, pretty uncommon scenario. So how I grew up, my grandfather was very active in civic affairs. His, He always said that his goal was to have the longest obituary possible, and he <laughs> did because he, he was involved in everything. Volunteer firefighter, he served on the city council, you know, of, of a, his very small town in Pennsylvania. So this isn't like we're not talking about national affairs here. But he was a great example in that he was always engaged he didn't graduate high school he didn't he didn't have any kind of he was the child of immigrants he didn't have any kind of formal education but he was one of the most enlightened citizens by virtue of his kind of interest and in activism that i've ever known in my life so his life has always been a really great example to me of how we can kind of instill that value of citizenship other, you know, beyond kind of our traditional, what we think of, a, of as a traditional kind of classroom, memorizing the three branches of government, memorizing the powers of the president kind of, kind right. of education.
0: Okay. Okay. So. I'm, I'm loving this and I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about my family and uh, you know, it's been on our list th- this year, especially my kids have finally reached an age where, you know, we're able to have these really great conversations and we can engage with each other and it's a presidential election year and I'm thinking, okay, this is it. This is the year where we're going to really kind of dig into uh, civics and citizenship. And I'm just thinking they're going to hate it. But When you talk about that lifestyle of civics and not just treating it as a school subject, my husband and I have these conversations all the time. What I'm thinking now after hearing you talk is that we need to pull our kids into these conversations that we're just naturally having.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think that is critical. Um, Absolutely bring your kids into the conversation. We were always, I mean, there was never the notion that kids couldn't participate in, in these discussions, which were constantly happening. They weren't always civil. However, they did happen (laughs) and they did, but they were, they were good. And, you know, it's, it, it it is kind of a a time where kids can wrestle with these bigger ideas and they're not, I, I really don't believe that, um, everything should just be civics and public affairs is necessarily an adult subject. I I believe that that's something that the whole family can engage in. So yes, I completely agree. Draw your kids into that conversation. Um, It's not something that just the parents can do.
0: Well, and you mentioned that they weren't always civil conversations about. No, I think this is so important because we have forgotten as a society how to Have a conversation where we might disagree with each other without hating each other, you know, and in a family, you're more, you know, this is a place where you can disagree with each other and you're not going to end up being uncivil or uh, hateful or anything like that. I mean, this is a place to learn how to do that.
1: Oh, absolutely. And there were never any damaged relationships, even though there were disagreements, right? No, right? Not This wasn't a place where everybody agreed with what the, and it's still not, you know, <laughs> with, with what the next person was saying, but they never led to any sort of, of of damage in, in relationships. And that is, you're absolutely right. That is a critical skill. We need to be able to have these debates without damaging relationships with, within the family, with our friends, you know, with our coworkers one day, right. We need to be able to engage in, in civil debate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what age would you start teaching kids, uh, about not just bringing them into conversations, but also doing something maybe a little more formal, whether that be just as a homeschool subject or in morning time, which is what we talk about here. What age do you think is a good age to start talking with uh, children about government and civic responsibility?
1: I think that even starting in the preschool years there are things that maybe not as part of a conversation but there are ways to if you want to get into kind of ways to teach civics to very young young kids i can talk about that really quickly yeah give me um, some ideas okay so for the for your very youngest kid again you're not going to be sitting around the dinner table talking about you know water quality or something like that but I mean, I remember, for example, um, my daughter, when she was in preschool, took a class at our co op. Um, it was called Community Helpers, but it, what it really was was civics. Um, it was about they went to the fire station, right? They went to the police station. They um, had people come into their classes. And I can't remember who, but I can, you know, I can think of some some ideas. You could ask your local officials to come and talk to your co-op. You could um, make a meal for your local food bank. You could invite a news reporter, somebody from your chamber of commerce, all of these. And so what? that's what they would do. They would go out and they would have people come into their class and just talk about what they did they help the community, what some of their jobs were like. And I thought that was a really, it took a lot of logistics. I give a lot of credit to that co-op teacher
0: because mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> that was a lot of logistics to coordinate, but she did a fantastic job bringing the community in class, bringing the class out to the community. And again, that is training for citizenship. These are the people who help our community. This is what they do. It kind of gives them a vision at a young age of how they can help and that they could one day participate. So I think that, you know, when they're very little, preschool age, lower elementary school age, focusing on kind of your community and what you have around you um, is a, is a really great idea. Okay. Um, So, Mm -hmm. As they get older, I would say you can start bringing without. And again, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to talk about civics in the non dry and boring way, <laughs> like memorizing the three branches of government. And then I think one when as they get a little older, maybe older elementary school, one of the things to do, and this is probably something a lot of families are doing anyway, is to read biographies of great citizens, and these could be like. Presidential, as a presidential biographer myself, you know, presidential <laughs> biographies are my go-to because that's what I know, and it doesn't have to be even somebody who was elected. It can be, you know, Sarah Josepha Hale, the mother of Thanksgiving, Ida Tarbell, a muckraking journalist, right? So it could be any anybody who, any citizen who did something. Uh, was able to distinguish himself or herself in, through their acts of citizenship, through their contributions to their communities. So reading biographies of great citizens with your kids is another way to really kind of talk about citizenship with, without it being dry and boring. And as, as they get even older than that, I know a lot of homeschool families will read uh, Plutarch's Lives Mm -hmm. in, in their, in their homeschool. I mean. Plutarch wrote that as kind of to provide models of citizenship to his readers and the American founders. I mean, that was like required reading in the founding generation, Plutarch's lives. They all read Plutarch's lives. They kind of knew that they were living in this uh, great historical moment because they read Plutarch's lives. So, um, So as they get older, you know, bringing Plutarch in, that's always good. And then, you know, in morning time you mention i think while well, i know memorizing the three branches of government can be boring if memory work is part of your morning time and this is probably a good thing for kids of maybe all ages to do but you know there it, no, it doesn't hurt to memorize the preamble right. of the constitution it doesn't hurt to memorize the bill of rights it's not that long the first 10 amendments It doesn't hurt to memorize the Gettysburg Address. It doesn't hurt to memorize some of sort of the great speeches. Doesn't hurt to memorize the kind of the beginning part of the Declaration of Independence. If you're really ambitious, you can memorize the whole thing. But I wouldn't necessarily do that. So (laughs) it's, you know, it's a, so memory work, there are a lot of, and that's a way of teaching American values and therefore civics (laughs) to your kids without You know, necessarily using a dry textbook.
0: Oh, these are great ideas. And I'm going to go so far as to say not only would it not hurt to memorize those things, uh, it's a really good idea. (laughs)
1: It is a I'm really just throwing good idea. It out <laughs> no, it absolutely yeah. is a really good idea to memorize all of those things. Um, all of our founding documents are so important, especially you know, for if, if we're living in the United States, it's a great way to to pass along. And since we're not in school, like some of that is, we I mean, I think children who are in the public school system by reciting the pledge, if, if you're still doing that, um, you know, that's one way to kind of. Infuse children with with our kind of founding values, but by doing this kind of memory work, that's a a, a, I think another way that homeschoolers can really capture some of that as well.
0: Okay, so Jill, those were fabulous ideas. For I love it. You just hit all the different age groups and and gave us some really great things that we could be doing um, in our homeschool. So I want to talk a little bit about. The election year. Okay. (laughs) It is an election year. How is this year a little bit different? What kind of things should we focus on this year that, uh, you know, stand out to you?
1: Well, okay. So I think, uh, first of all, and maybe you can ask me a little bit about how how this year, I'm happy to answer specifics about how, how this year may be different than other years. But I think that in terms of Talking about the election or kind of bringing in bringing the election into your homeschool and what you can do as a homeschool parent, I think that. What your children see you do as far as the election may be in some ways more important than what you necessarily mm. can teach them. Okay. So for example, again, and this goes back to cultivating the habits of citizenship. The most important thing you could probably do for your kids this election season is take them to vote if we can go vote in person. (laughs) I don't know if we can, but even if you live in a state where you have to do a mail-in ballot, um, have them sit down and fill out, not fill out the ballot with you, but watch you fill out the ballot yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so allow them to participate in voting. I remember my parents, of course, um, They were always, they always voted and they always took my sisters and me to vote. (laughs) No matter young, older, we always all went to the, it was like a family activity. We went to the polling place together. Yep. I remember sitting in the booth with my mom while she filled out her ballot. I remember her kind of talking to me about it while she was filling it out. And then um, when I was finally old enough, I would go and vote with them myself. And so that was a huge example because we really need to train up our kids to become voters because so many young people choose not to exercise that right that they have when they reach age 18. It's very sad to me. Um, So I think that's really one of the most important things that that make it make voting and kind of talk about the importance of voting, making it a family activity is hugely important. Um, And another thing that you can do is to find ways to participate and as a homeschooler this is a great time get involved in the election and i think personally that you do you learn more by participating than you do by you know necessarily reading reading about it in a textbook um every year my my oldest daughter and i have worked the polls on election day that is our activity (laughs) my husband will take the kids and um we will we signed up to volunteer with for it was a congressional race actually for a u.s congresswoman and we we signed up to went on to her website, filled out a volunteer form. And if you fill out a volunteer form, somebody will call you they are People are desperate for volunteers. <laughs> and, um, and so, you know, we got many, many calls asking for help. And the thing we chose to do was to kind of work the polls on election day where we stood outside, handed out literature, talked to people who were coming in. My daughter did most of the work. She's much better at that than I am. And she really loves it. But that's one way we kind of chose to get, involved in the elections now will we be able to do that in 2020 I don't know right still still to be determined but you know and, and other ways you can engage as a family so watch the debates together um, talk about as we've as we've already mentioned talk about the issues around your ta- around the dinner table bring your kids into the discussion so there are so many ways to get involved in the in the election.
0: Awesome, awesome. And if you haven't started any of this yet, it's
1: not too mm-hmm. late, right? Oh no, it is not too late. It, it is it has hardly even begun. So it's it's definitely the the general election I think will start kicking into high gear. There will be more to see as the summer rolls on and into the fall. So it is it is not too late. The fall is a great time to get started on it.
0: Awesome. Okay, so what tips do you have for parents who feel like their own knowledge of civics or the government is lacking? What should they do to focus on, what should they focus on to prepare themselves for these discussions and and things?
1: Oh, sure. That's a great question, Pam. And my, I think my biggest suggestion here would be don't focus on what you don't know, right? We're all not experts in government and civic affairs, and that is fine. I would take the approach, try to see yourself as a co-learner along with your students. Mm -hmm. Um, Consider yourself a facilitator of family learning, right, rather than a teacher. So, you know, you could ask your child something that about what he or she is interested in, what about the election? Do you want to study of the election? And then learn it together. So I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily recommend that parents like have it take it do their own deep dive study session because who has time for that but if the election is something you want to study with your kids definitely take the approach of see yourself as a as a co-learner see yourself as the facilitator and um, learn along with your kids and that's that's a great example of lifelong learning for them I think
0: yeah, yeah, I think so too. And then we talk about that so often in morning time uh, that you don't have to be the expert in morning time. You can just learn right along, uh, right along with your kids. So absolutely, if, if you find your education is lacking in this area, teach it and it won't be anymore. <laughs> that's exactly right. That is exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's shift a little bit to uh, kind of the idea of current events. So we've talked about civics, which is the training for citizenship. And we've talked about the election, which is kind of a uh, s- something that's happening right now this year. But mm-hmm. what about just in general about current events, what are current events and then why do we want to teach these to our kids?
1: Sure. Well, I mean current events is pretty much it's anything that's happening kind of anywhere around you. So in your local community, in Africa, in the Middle East, anything that's going on right now. And current events, I mean, span, it's again, we're and we're not just talking about civics. It's um current events can include economics, it can include business, it can include um arts, it can include Um, technology, it can include health. So anything that's kind of happening now that's maybe newsworthy, I would consider a current event. So that was, that was my definition. What was your other question, Pam? I'm sorry.
0: So why do we want to bring these in and, and talk about these with our kids as opposed to, you know, we only have so much time in a school day, right? That's right. And we've got to be teaching science and we've got to be teaching history and, and you know, math and things like that. So why do we want to dedicate a little bit of time to current events? To
1: current events. And I would also say that, you know, current events, it, it, it's something that may not fit easily into your school day. I think that many homeschool families would agree that they are important. They may not be able to tell you exactly why. And I can, I can tell you exactly why. But morning time is a great time to include current events. It's kind of like, you know, I am a student. I'm a student of the liberal arts. I'm a practitioner of the liberal arts. I, I feel like morning time is kind of this, you know, center for the liberal arts in our in our home education. And I think yep. current events um, definitely can enhance a lot of those uh, many of the liberal arts topics because it helps our students make connections between you know theory and practice, between history and today, between you know what they. Might be learning in nature study, and you know something that's going on in the world of science today. So, I think that um, that it's kind of a place for our students to make some of those practical connections between um, liberal learning and what's going on now. So, um, so that's one. You know, that's one reason. Another reason is. To that current events helps us to increase knowledge, right? It it helps us to increase our knowledge in all kinds of areas, including the ones that I just mentioned. And if you're, especially if you're kind of doing newspaper reading, uh, newspaper reading can really help Build language art skills. Um, I personally feel, and this is this is a belief of mine, that something has been seriously lost in the in in this era of digital news that we're living in. I don't, you know, children don't see kind of the rich language of the newspaper sitting around, and um, they're not really able to page through its its pages. But I think that um, that reading the news. Paper in particular really does help us develop a better vocabulary, better reading skills, stronger spelling skills, better writing skills. I think more importantly though, I think that current events discussions can help prompt kids to really wrestle with big ideas, right? If you're if your homeschooler is puzzling through a moral issue or heard something that maybe disturbed him or her, right? Did she sees something that challenged a belief, I think discussing current events provides or at least allows parents, especially of older children, a forum through which children can really kind of talk through those difficult ideas, big questions, um, complex issues. So that's another benefit. Um, I think that studying current events importantly, and you you and I know, Pam, that, that studying current Um, homeschooling is all about building relationships. And Mm -hmm. I think that current events discussions really do help to bring families together. It helps us connect with our kids over important topics. It's a way for families to strengthen their beliefs and values. You know, I think far better for a child to wrestle with some kind of current events issues at home with mom and dad, brothers and sisters than on the playground or in another public forum where parents aren't there to kind of moderate the discussion. Right. So right. I think that it really allows you to um, sort of pass along your, your, to, to help your kids view current events in light of your own family's beliefs and values. Those are some of the kind of the practical through bigger picture kind of higher level reasons for studying current events.
0: I love it. Great reasons. Great reasons. Okay. So now we have the reasons. What about the resources? What are some of your favorite resources for uh, current events with your kids?
1: Okay. So um, I'll, I can give you some resources and i'll also say that at our website silverdalepress.com i have a we have a free download in our free yep. resources section where these are all listed um, so if you don't you know if you don't remember them that's okay yeah just um, give us
0: a couple of your favorites sure. and then we're going to send people over to get that free download we'll link to it in okay. the show notes and they can get uh, the comprehensive list uh, i i had a look at this myself yesterday and uh, there was really like great insights into each of, the, uh, each of the resources on the list. And I thought, oh, parents are going to love this one. So I definitely want you guys to go and download the list from Silverdale Press. Uh, but Jill's going to give us a couple highlights right now.
1: Yeah, so I think the main point of our resource list, and I put this together for families because I really wanted them to kind of be able to pick and choose to fit their needs. I think that you really do need to consider your own family and where your own family is, (laughs) before you kind of pick a current events resource. So, um, you know, think about who your kids are, think about what they like, and then maybe choose a, a, a resource accordingly. So I would say, I'll just, I'll give you a, a few examples. So one of my favorite resources is your local newspaper. And the reason I say that is um, local newspapers are great Typically, they have softer news content, so that's more appropriate for younger audiences. They also really give some, if you're studying kind of your community and your community helpers, they are also a great um, resource because they provide a lot, of, uh, a lot of local coverage. So appropriate for young readers, kind of softer content. It's always to support your local community by subscribing to your, to your local newspaper. I subscribe to the Wall Street Journal and okay. that's because of my job and this may seem a little bit odd. My kids do read it. Um, I find that if I set it out on the table, on the kitchen table, and if they're sitting down for breakfast, they will pick it up. And do they understand it all? No, of course not. Do they you know, read the finance section cover to cover? No, they don't. But I'm thrilled when I see them paging through the Wall Street Journal because I know that they're at least picking up bits and pieces. But if you have a high schooler who, do you have a budding entrepreneur, right? If you um, are or a future business leader. in your homeschool. I think the Wall Street Journal is a great publication. And I read it because I really like their national coverage. And kind of for the work that I do, it's it's good to have um, to be reading that that kind of national coverage. So the Wall Street Journal has been a, a favorite publication of mine for, for a really long time. If you like international news, I recommend the BBC. So if your family's kind of interested in other cultures, the BBC British Broadcasting Corporation is a great is a great website if you like videos and my kids like videos, so I think I'm thinking of maybe doing a little bit more of this next year. I think CNN 10 is a great resource. We
0: love CNN 10. Oh yeah. yeah.
1: Okay, great. Yeah. CNN 10. So, you know, Pam, right? 10 minute news shows geared mm-hmm. to students. My kids, we haven't done it, but I'm thinking about it for our morning time this year. I'm thinking that they would really love CNN 10. They are, they're at really good ages for it. Um, easy for moms, enjoyable for kids. Who doesn't like educational screen time, right? It's, it's really great. A lot of Christian homeschoolers, of course, like Al Muller's podcast, The Briefing. It's, a, it's news and commentary from a Christian perspective. So if you want to give your family a Christian commentary kind of view of the news, I recommend The Briefing. And let's see, I'll, one, one more resource Have a list of ten on our download, but another one that I'm that I like and am familiar with, and this maybe for the busy family is SRN News. If you kind of grew up driving around in your car listening to the radio like I do, you'll be familiar, uh, or I did, you'll be familiar with kind of the SRN News. Um, It's a it's a national news network for Christian radio stations, and they cover topics of interest to the Christian radio listener, like religion, cultural trends, faith, and public policy. So it's it's a headline service, meaning they're not really going into depth um, about anything in the news unlike uh, you know if you listen to a podcast or if you read an article in The Wall Street Journal you'd get a lot more depth but if you're if you're a busy family if you like your news and bite-sized audio bits go to SRN news. You know, listen to their top and bottom of the hour headlines, and you're still going to get some news <laughs> in your morning time. It'll be quick and dirty, but it'll be effective as well. So, um, so those are some those are some of the resources that I highlight. There are lots more, though. The good news for families is that there are a wealth of resources for families for cur- studying current events.
0: Yeah, and these little uh, the little snippets like in SRN News give you a jumping off point. It makes you kind of you. well-rounded in your understanding of what's going on. But then if somebody takes an interest in something like, you know, a rocket launch or something like that, some debatable topic or whatever, then you could jump onto it and, and go a little bit further and have, uh, you know, study a little more and have deeper discussions, so...
1: Yes, and that, that's a great point, too. And I think a lot of, and that's really, um, and that's another great thing about studying current events, because if they do tend to spark interest, right, within your children, you can kind of see what they're interested in, and then, um, you know, maybe follow up with a short unit. You know, study. Maybe, you know, give them a topic to explore and research on their own and maybe write a small position paper on or something like that um, as part of their language arts curriculum. So there are a whole host of different ways current events can kind of feed into your other subjects um, and your other disciplines in your homeschool. But I think one, current events are a critical part of your day. Definitely morning time is a wonderful place for them. And two, I before you kind of pick a resource, and there are so many resources out there that make it easy for, for moms, um, definitely just kind of think about your family, what your kids are interested in, what, what kind of time you have, right? Are you busy? Are you pressed for time? Do you have the time to kind of sit around and read a, a lengthy article from the Atlantic or a, another news magazine, and then, and then, um, and then pick your
0: source. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this was the Homeschool Current Events Quick Start Guide from Silverdale Press, and we're going to link to this in the show notes. And just to let you guys know, it has like some more of the reasons that Jill talked about today, why study current events, the steps for getting started, uh, five engaging questions to ask uh, while you're studying current events, and then uh, the resources that Jill told us about just a few minutes ago, plus more uh because there are 10 resources in total so uh, you're going to want to go download that well Jill let me ask you one last question before we kind of wrap it up if you if you're sitting in a morning time situation and you have multiple age kids you've got kind of your whole family there in a wide spread of ages how do you tackle some of these difficult current event conversations with your kids in an age-appropriate way do you have any guidelines
1: yeah that's a good question um I do have a few things to think about, you know, it's always, it's never easy for parents to talk to their kids about sensitive topics that, and of course, you know, I do, I do scan the newspaper. If there's a really sensitive topic, I'm not going to set it out for my kids to kind of flip through that day. If there's something disturbing on the front cover, but you know, it's, they, um, even if you're watching CNN 10 or clicking on the BBC, sensitive topics will inevitably come up. But again, um, this is a great in your homeschool day. It's better to talk about it here than your kids kind of hash it out for themselves elsewhere. But studying current events with different ages, so sensitive events, I would first of all, you, you know, I would just the first thing I would tell parents is to use their wisdom and pray about it, right? If there, if there's something that comes up and you're and your child has some really difficult questions that's always a good first step and another tip i have is to when you're studying current events and there's a sensitive topic or a disturbing topic or an unpleasant topic you know the fact that there is you know unpleasantness and inappropriateness stems from the fact that we live in a fallen world. So always start with scripture, right? Nothing, there is nothing new under the sun, right? Every topic that you could imagine that is, you know, disturbing to us today is in the Bible somewhere. I would venture to guess that's maybe a, that's maybe, that's a pretty broad statement, but it is, you know, it's a great time to kind of learn about human nature, um, to understand that this is a lot of the things that we're seeing kind of our consequences of the fall. So those are my first two suggestions. My third suggestion is to really kind of if there is a, a sensitive topic that comes up and and you, you want to talk about it with your with your with your kid, one thing you could do is you know, read an article about it. Um, If it's really sensitive, send your kid, your younger kids to the other room to color with crayons or something. Um, But one thing that I have um, kind of been suggesting to parents whenever something, whenever there is something kind of disturbing in the news is to, you know, pair the article with maybe a classic text that addresses the topic. So if it's something like you know racism. You talk uh, talk about the current event. Read the article, but also um, you know one thing that you could do to make it a little less disturbing is to kind of um, and even if you wanted to include your little kids here, pair it with a classic text like um, the narrative of uh, the narrative of Life of Frederick Douglass, for example, or um, John F. Kennedy's 1963 address to Congress on a civil rights bill that he was about to propose. It's, um, I forget the name of the address, but it's a something like that is a, you know, pairing kind of an article with a classic text on the subject may be one way to kind of help your kids to um, think about an issue without necessarily engaging in the, the really disturbing stuff. Do you, do you kind of understand what I'm saying? Okay. So, um, you know, there, I mean, I wish I could think of a great way to kind of avoid sensitive topics, but I think the fact is that they'll probably come up (laughs) and it's important that we, as parents, um, we, that we do have a plan for dealing with them, that we think a little bit about how we're going to handle them before, but always, you know, pray about it, start with scripture and, um, try to pair your articles with some classic, classic texts to give, give your students a
0: broader context for maybe understanding them. Oh, awesome. Some really, really great tips there. So, um, well, I just want to point out, uh, you can find Jill online at silverdellpress.com. And so many good things there. The current event guide, which is absolutely free. Also a presidential election uh, unit study if you are like, okay, it's time to study the election, but where do we begin? Which is eight lessons and it, it is uh, current for 2020. And then uh, some fun kind of White House unit studies as well, Right.
1: Yes. Yeah. So as a presidential scholar, one of the things that I that I like to do is to I, I am very passionate about helping homeschool families engage with the presidency, which is kind of the topic that I that I know best. And so um, and I love unit studies and kind of making the holidays special. So along with our presidential election unit study we also have unit studies about the presidency and the holidays. So there are lots of connections between the presidency and the holidays too. So, but morning, morning time is a great, you know, when you hit a holiday morning time is a great time to infuse <laughs> the holidays into your homeschool. I've, I've found. So, um, Definitely. yeah, yeah. So well so that's, that's what we have.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. We'll do go check that out and we'll include a link to that in the show notes. Jill, I cannot thank you enough. This has been such a fun conversation. Um, I really appreciate you coming on and talking to us about how we can infuse our homeschools with not only this study of uh, civics, but how we can create a lifestyle of civics in our home and this kind of uh, the idea of civics as enlightened engagement with the community. So thank you.
1: Thank you, Pam. It was so much fun talking to you. Thanks for having me.
0: And there you have it. Now, if you would like links to any of the books and resources that Jill and I chatted about today, including the current events guide and other resources from Silverdale Press, come to the show notes for this episode of the podcast. Those are at pambarnhill.com slash YMB 78. And we'll have links to all of those over there for you. Now, we'll be back again in a couple of weeks with another great interview. This time with Jessica Waldock from The Waldock Way. Jessica's also the owner and moderator of the Morning Baskets and More Facebook group. Jessica's going to be coming on to talk to us all about doing themes in your morning time, uh, following a specific theme every single month in your morning time, kind of like we're doing with our morning time explorations right now. So Jessica and I are going to be chatting about why you might want to do themes in your morning time and how making the switch to doing a thematic morning time really saved morning morning time for her family. Jessica's also a mom of one, so that is a unique morning time situation. So if you are a mom of an only, you're going to want to listen in on that. So, so much fun in a couple of weeks. Until then, keep seeking truth, goodness, and beauty in your homeschool day.